It's time for the moment you've been waiting for. You're listening to Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now crank it up and rip the knob. Boy, that escalated quickly. Podcast partner of phillyisflyer.com. This is Getting Bullied. I'm your host, Mark Gino, joined as always by my good friend down in the nation's capital, Dan Silver. Dan, what's going on down there? No, not much. This is fun. It's our first uh, It's the first show I think we've done after a Flyers game, and not just a game, but a Flyers win. So it's like a little bit of late night. You know, people listen whenever they want. They're not listening to us live, but, but it's a little bit of late night podcasting for us. It is, and... Uh... This is going to test the endurance of the both of us because we both work day jobs and um, staying up this late is getting harder and harder for me the older I get. So we'll see. This is good. I know you're, you're getting very old, man. You're what? Only 15 years younger than me. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, 13, something like that. Yeah. Something, OK. Something light. All right. That's something okay. like that. So, yeah, Flyers win tonight. Um, the Ducks in town. Ducks started the season off hot very well. And uh have slowed down significantly since then, and it was a it was a win the Flyers desperately needed on a lot of levels. Um, hadn't played too great in the previous three against you know Colorado, Minnesota, Winnipeg, and uh, obviously the news last week of Oscar Lindblom being diagnosed with cancer, and you kind of expected that to um, maybe spark the team a little bit in the last two games, and it didn't happen. And then they come home tonight, finally, uh, for the first time since the diagnosis. He was in the locker room during the morning skate uh, this morning, afternoon, whatever time they were doing that. And it seemed to definitely spark the team. They came out good, and, you know, strong second period kind of sparked the you know the team the rest of the way. Carter Hart was sensational, as per usual, and they get out of there with a 4-1 win. And you won your own contest, so congratulations on that. Yeah, you know, before the game, I, I posted out that we were going to do a contest tonight. Anyone who could guess both the first goal score of the game and the final score would win tickets to one of three Flyers games. And, yeah, I was over 300 people responded, and I was literally the only person who – I didn't even answer in the contest. I just tweeted out my thoughts before the game. Was it Drew was going to be the first goal score, and the Flyers would win 4-1. to one. So, well uh, – I said, we'll do it again Thursday. I'll do the same contest Thursday. Uh, you know, I'm a season ticket holder. I do that in D.C. I try and get to as many games as possible, but I can't get to them all. And so I figured it'd be kind of like a, a nice thing to do to, to give some tickets away on Twitter. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, you know, we didn't have a show last week. I was uh, I was out in Vegas for work, and uh, it's the Christmas season, so I know a lot of people are tied up. But And so we didn't get a chance to talk about that. Obviously, horrible, horrible news about Oscar Lindblom. You know, I, I he's a fighter, man. I I mm-hmm. think that I think that he'll be fine. Um, it's obviously a, a a big blow, you know, to this team and the morale. And you know, it's it's difficult because you're talking about life and death, right? And then you're just talking about a sport. Um, and so I think everyone, including us, is is the you know you you almost wanted to like cry the day that it was announced. It's so right. sad. And then and then you know you you start looking at how it impacts the hockey team. Um, and you just want to, you know, you just kind of hope that, because here's the reality. He's been arguably their second best forward this season. So 
you know, obviously it's going to have an impact on the team, both on the ice and emotionally. I mean, I don't even know how I would react if a teammate of mine had developed cancer to, you know, at, at any age, especially a, a young 23 year old player. So, you know, it's, um, the cliches are always, you know, we're going to go out and win it for, for someone. And I'm not sure that that is really the, you know, the way that these players look about it. I, I think that it's, it's tough when you're when your teammates going through something like that and you've got to go out there and play a sport. So, you know, um, at the end of the day, there are uh, there's a lot of people out there dealing with and, and fighting cancer every day. So, you know, Lindblom is someone who's obviously in more of the spotlight for us. But I think for me, just on more of a human level, it kind of highlights how many people are dealing with something like this. But um you know, and then the team goes out on a, a three-game road trip, and they just—they didn't look great on the road trip. They, uh, Joel Farabee gets suspended three games, which we'll get into later for a hit that probably should have been maybe a one-game suspension. But I think that ultimately, what's the bottom line is that it was great to see them come home tonight. Lindblom was in the arena; he was uh, visited the, the team before the game, and they came out, and Carter Hart was phenomenal, and they played with a lot of emotion and energy, and. And I think that, you know, I, I think that it was it was a really nice win to see tonight. And now we're going to have to see kind of how this hockey team moves forward. Yeah, it, it's crazy. When I was looking at the uh, the pictures on Twitter today of Limblom and, uh, you know, some of the other guys in here, Chuck Fletcher spoke today. I know Elaine Vino spoke today. But you saw the, the one picture that kind of stood out to me was uh, uh, Limblom and Robert Haig, who, you know, Haig gets – you know he get he gets a lot of heat from Flyers fans for his play on the ice, but you know when you, when you take away that aspect of it, and he, like you said, bring it to a human level, this is a guy who's you know one of his best friends is dealing with something that is you know completely unimaginable for really anybody, and like you said, so many people have to deal with it every day, and when you when it comes down on you unexpectedly like that at such a young age. Here's the thing with the Flyers. This is still a young, this is a very young hockey team. There's a lot of young players on this team who might not have ever had to deal with something like this on such a personal level for them. They, you know, I'm sure they've had friends and maybe distant family members or somebody this close to them, you know, it's, it's, and it's hard to deal with that at a young age. So this is to kind of bring it back to the hockey aspect of it, this this really is going to test the will of this team because this is if this is something that you can, and this is what's great about sports when you're on the ice, when you're on the court, the field, whatever, you know, it gives you that respite from real life. It gives you that chance to step away and clear your mind of whatever real life agonies you're dealing with, and you're just in that moment. So, what's what's good for this if you could draw any sort of, you know, I don't want to say positive, but this this is going to test the resilience of this team and it'll help them dig deep and really, you know, down the stretch in the season when things get tough, playoff pushes and things like that, you know, having to do with something like this makes something like that completely, you know, it's minuscule. You'll be able to deal with that very easily because this is such a real-life thing. And I wanted to, real quick, I know I told you this earlier, but there... There's a million and two uh, T-shirt designs out there, and everything like that for Oscar Lindblom. One that I, one that struck me was the first one. I know everyone, a lot of people are probably doing this with you know donating the charity, but one that stuck out to me was Biscuit Tees because it was a great T-shirt that I saw, and uh, I was speaking to them earlier, 
and they've raised twenty thousand dollars in the last twenty four hours, and that was this afternoon. Uh, just selling their T-shirt that'll go to cancer research and things like that. So if you want to find their shirt, it's biscuitteas.com. Check that out. And you know, best of luck to Oscar Limblom, his family. And it's a hard t- thing to deal with right now, but you know, I'm sure he'll be fine. He'll he saw a smile on his face today, which was good to see. And the Flyers getting the win today was probably huge for him. And more on a lighter note, David Kasha, one of the guys called up from the Phantoms to kind of, you know, with all these injuries and suspensions and things that are going on, David Kasha comes up and nets his first NHL goal. And like you said before we started this episode, all these injuries and the suspensions are really going to test the depth that we've been talking about that the Flyers organization has for a couple of years now. Yeah, so this is a great opportunity because I and, and it I keep writing these articles about how the Flyers have the deepest prospect pool in the league. Right. And that's because not only have they had top end prospects like Frost and Farabee and Konechny, but their prospects numbers 10 through 20 are probably comparable to a lot of other teams, number four through number 13, let's say. So and the guys that we're talking about are Nicholas Albe-Kubel and Mikhail Vrobiev and David Cachet and so or Kasha. And so. Now those guys are going to be getting a lot of playing time because Michael Raffles out injured, um, Scott Lawton's out injured, Tyler Pitlick is out injured, Nolan Patrick is out injured, Joel Farabee is suspended, and like we mentioned, Lindblom's going to be out for the year. So these guys who, to me, are NHL players, are now going to get an opportunity. And I think like tonight we saw Nicholas Albi-Kubel. He had a couple of huge hits, one of them probably a little bit questionable, probably should have been penalized. But that's what how he plays, and that's why he's a perfect fourth-line player. And He's probably going to end up playing on the second or third line until we get some of these guys back. But he's an energy guy who brings a little bit of skill. David Kasha, he is a very skilled player. You saw the play in front of the net. He got into position, and he redirected the Sanai pass into the net. And so, though, listen, those guys aren't Scott Lawton or Joel Farabee or Oscar Lindblom, but they are pretty good hockey players, and now they're going to get an opportunity to just show that without having to worry necessarily about getting benched or sent back down to the AHL because right now there are just not many other options down in the AHL to come up. Isaac Ratcliffe is a very good prospect, but he's been injured off and on, and he has, hasn't had that good of a year. Twarinsky and Bonneman have had opportunities. They haven't been fantastic. So this is really going to show the, and test the, the prospect depth, but I think it's a good thing, and this is why you have that prospect depth. And then the other good things are that there are no injuries on the defense. I guess Phil Myers is a little banged up, um, and you've got Carter Hart. So you still have the defense intact. You've got the really good goaltending intact. And now we're just going to have to see, you know, what happens with the forwards. But it's it's not a terrible spot to be in. Look, obviously, this team would be in a much better position if this hadn't happened with Lindblom. I think they were. We talked about before. I think you could have considered them a real cup contender. I'm not sure this team is now without Lindblom, um, without some of the other guys, Lawton and, you know, but Dell Lawton will be back and, Dolan Patrick could be a real wild card. He's still week to week, but let's just say he can get healthy for the second half of the season. That's that's a wild card right there. So, you know, it's this is where the prospect depth comes into play. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's so bad right now for the Flyers as far as injuries and things like that. The, they mentioned on the broadcast tonight that uh, Kasha and Albe Kubel don't even have stalls in the locker room. They're just kind of set up in the corner somewhere and just standing, you know, getting dressed and everything like that for games. So, I mean, that's, that's just that's the reality of the Flyers situation right now. They don't even have enough stalls for the guys that they have to bring in. But it's good. The way I look at it, it's good that this is happening kind of when it is because it's, you know, it's still only December. There's a lot of games left. I think this one was only the 34th game or something like that. And so there's a lot of time left. There's obviously, with the exception of Limblom, everyone is expected to be back at some point. And like you said, no one knows what's going to happen with Nolan Patrick. He could be back next week. He could be back in three months. He may not be back at all. Um, But this is a team that's, going to get healthy they, they hit a bit of a you know a snag there in their road trip last week uh, I think getting you know the more they acclimate these guys the more they get comfortable with playing each other over the next few games I think you're going to see them spark up again you know there's still a lot of talent on this team despite all the injuries Frost is still here when Farabee gets back from his suspension he provides that spark Giroux with a goal today Katuria had the empty netter and you know, obviously Hayes is still there. The blue line, like you said, is still intact for the most part. If Myers is banged up, fine. Everyone else is stepping up fine right now. So there's still a lot. Of the, the talent on this team can still carry them through these trying times with injuries and suspensions and things like that. And I don't expect the Flyers to fall too far behind in the standings because they have those talented veterans and they're getting the goaltending right now, which is the biggest thing. And again, I think Carter Hart had a career high in saves tonight, as bad as the Ducks really? are. Really, a career high for him tonight? I believe that's what I heard. I think when he was, I think he had when he had it at thirty six. I thought they said it was a career high. They could have misspoke because I thought he had. Yeah, one I don't think with, so. Maybe it's a, I thought he had yeah, one with I, like forty plus last year, didn't he? I thought so. Yeah. I. Yeah, they may have. Now that I'm thinking about, it, I don't think that's right either. But either way, there were still a lot of shots brought to him, and. He only allowed one goal, and again, it's against the Ducks, but a win is a win, and you're facing that many shots, then you're obviously doing something right if you're only letting one in, no matter who it's against. So the Flyers, are st- the way I look at it, the Flyers are still in pretty good shape. This is still early enough in the season where this isn't going to cripple them, and they're still a playoff team in my eyes, and what this, what the Lindblom, uh, I don't, not injury, what the Lindblom illness does is, like you said, it doesn't make them as lethal a cup contender, but that's just put that put to me that puts the pressure on Chuck Fletcher in the next month or two as things progress, as teams kind of figure out what players they want to get rid of. And we saw the devil ship Taylor Hall out just yesterday. So once teams figure out who is expendable to them, that's when Chuck Fletcher's going to start to shine. We've seen him already. He makes the moves necessary to make this team better. So I think, you know, not soon, but definitely. Within the next month or two, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a move made to kind of, you know, fill in for Limblom's scoring that they're obviously going to miss tremendously now. Yeah, I mean, you know, the tough part's going to be the, the salary cap, obviously, because right now you're they're seven hundred, they have seven hundred thousand dollars to to spend on the cap. So, you know, you saw the Coyotes go out and make a move for Taylor Hall, and that's just not something the Flyers can do with the, the current salary cap. So. You know, that's unless the team that trades someone of the Flyers is going to be holding on to some of that salary. So I still think that probably 
barring because right now you don't you can't really trade him for a check. I mean, he's playing pretty well. JVR fans continue to to really go with him hard on social media, and he really has not performed that well. But I don't. You're not going to get someone to take his salary because he's got seven million coming in for the next four years. So, you know, I don't think you're going to be able to move him. So there's only so much that they're going to be able to do from a acquisition standpoint, unless you want to trade a guy like Ghost. And, you know, I think he's been playing a lot better. But, you know, again, I think that I think that this team still has the talent because of their depth to hopefully, you know, make a run. We'll see. The next few weeks are going to be important. They won tonight. They came out with a lot of energy, and they beat an Anaheim team that hasn't been playing that well. And they've got two games left this week. I think they've got the Sabres at home, and then they're at Ottawa. And those are obviously two very winnable games. So, by the way, that Ottawa game should be interesting after what happened oh, yeah. last time. Although Lawton probably won't be in the lineup. But uh, it still should be an interesting game. But they've, you know, they've got Buffalo, and they've got Ottawa. And then they've got the Rangers and San Jose, and then Anaheim and the Kings. So their their next six games are against teams that are not all that great. It's going to be an important stretch. Because, like I said, they played with a lot of energy tonight. First game home since the Lindblom situation. And I think we'll, we'll see the next two weeks where this hockey team stands because you can only ride emotion for so long. Right. Uh, and, you know, it's it's going to be a, a big two weeks. But the good news is that they were playing so well before then, before those three losses, that they've built up, you know, a, a healthy lead in trying to get one of those final playoff spots. Yeah. As I look at the, the next two weeks that you just mentioned, the opponents are one thing. The hardest part about their schedule coming up is that West Coast trip at the end of the month, which subsequently is at the end of the year and starting the next year. Um, not an easy stretch, but like you said, winnable game. San Jose, Anaheim, L.A., Vegas is tough, and Arizona's playing well. But these, I mean, those are three games, three of those five games they should be able to get out of there with a win. Um, and... Like I just said, this is a good. It's a good point in the season for this stuff to kind of happen because it's a lighter part in their schedule opponent-wise. We saw some of the teams, the stretches that they had earlier in the season, the first couple months where they were just playing, you know, playoff teams and contenders seemingly every night, and the travel wasn't to their benefit. Travel's not to their benefit too much over the next couple weeks, but you know they get that long break for Christmas and then they go away, so that'll help to kind of take a step back. Reflect on what's happened with the season. Rest your body a little bit. See your family. Do all that, and then go win some games out on the West Coast. So it's a good time for these injuries to be happening, if there's ever a good time. Uh, and it, it's a good test for this team that has a lot to deal with right now. And good thing that they have. So if I don't know, I don't know where this team would be mentally right now if Dave Haxel was their head coach. But thank God they have Elaine Vino, who's you know who's been around the block a few times and knows how to deal with adversity maybe not on the level that they're dealing with um you know from just from a personal aspect with with what's going on with their teammate but just on the ice stuff things that is more controllable to him with injuries and things like that i don't i think the flyers are in good hands with him so if this was hacksaw last year i think the flyers would be screwed but elaine vino i mean he knows what he's doing out there he knows it seems like he's pushing the right buttons lineup-wise recently with this team. Now that he knows what players do what in his system, and I just I feel like that he is he's an important cog to, that's going to keep this thing moving in the right direction over the next couple of weeks. So that's 
Things are still, they're not, things as bad as things seem right now for the Flyers, the sky is not falling for them, which is, which is good. As well. Oh yeah, I think having, you're right, having an experienced staff where you've got three guys, you know, in Vino, Yo, and Tarion that have all been head coaches in the NHL, I think that clearly is going to be helpful. Having experienced coaches and human beings as they are that are going to be able to, you know, steer this team in the right direction you've got veteran leadership and so hopefully they'll be able to navigate this this situation and you know continue and, and come out uh and have a have a strong rest of the year so you know we should talk about the fair beat yeah because that so, was ridiculous I, okay so the way i look at this and i watched the video i didn't watch the game busy that day Watched the video, saw the hit. It was obviously late. And if you're gonna, you said this before the show. If you're gonna clip him with a suspension, you know, one is probably more than appropriate. I think the concussion factor had a lot to do with it. The the the, the NHL player safety. I mean, they they get so much heat with pretty much every suspension that's handed down for being too light. And I think they, in my view, I think they saw a rookie who obviously made a dumb decision and not that they tried to make an example out of him, but I feel like they just try to like set a tone and try to like teach him a lesson almost that, you know, that type of stuff isn't going to be tolerated, almost kind of nip it in the bud now. But I mean, he's not the type of player that where things like that are going to be recurring. I just feel like three games was ridiculous and completely unfair to a guy who's a first offender and is still playing in the first three months of his NHL career. It doesn't make any sense to me, and I, I still have no idea how the NHL Department of Player Safety comes up with these rulings. It literally is like they've got four monkeys in a room spinning a wheel, and whatever comes up, comes up. Right. And it's like, – Farabee's hit was – it was an act of emotion where the team – you know, the team's gone through a lot, and Farabee's an emotional guy. He's a young kid. Perot had left the puck behind his back, and then he – turned around and he got, you know, drilled by Farabee about a minute or about a second and a half after he uh, dished off the puck and pros had concussion histories. He's got another one. It was, but it was not a couple things. It, it, it wasn't uh, the initial point of contact. Wasn't the head. It wasn't head to head. It wasn't contact to the head. He didn't, Farabee didn't leave his feet. It was it was interference. It was hard interference that unfortunately resulted in a concussion for Perot. And you don't want to see that. But there's the hits like that all the time either end up in no suspension or like a game. The Department of Player Safety says that their suspensions are based on one of the things is repeat offenders. Fairby's not a repeat offender, and he got three games. It's preposterous that that hit should be a three-game suspension. And then you see things like, you know, last night, Ryan Ellis goes out of his way uh, to throw a dirty elbow in the Rangers game. He gets penalized, I believe, but there's no no suspension. And that was a lot more dangerous than what Farabee did. And then you see guys like Mark Borowiecki, who even if one, you want to argue that his hit on Travis Konechny was was legal, and that is questionable because it's funny, Elaine Vigneault and the – had a quote this morning that they actually timed 
the time from when the puck left Konechny's stick after he deflected it to when he got hit by Borowiecki and then combined that, or then compared that to the Farabee hit. And it, the Farabee hit was only like 0.5 seconds uh, later than the hit on Konechny. And so, and Borowiecki is a repeat offender, multiple repeat offender. He was suspended twice in the, a week period last year for two high hits. One, one of the things I put out there today was, I, I, I even wonder if the NHL doesn't suspend repeat offenders as often for marginal hits because they know that they'd have to give a longer suspension, right? Borowiecki's had a bunch of long suspensions. So if he has a marginal hit that really should be a suspension, it's... You could say that since he's a repeat offender, he should get four or five games for kind of like a something that should be a one or two game suspension for someone else, and they just don't want to deal with that. I don't know. I just have no explanations for how the NHL Department of Player Safety operates. I don't know. I'd love to know if they're reviewing every penalty every night. Like I just don't know how what their thought process is that leads to fair be getting a three game suspension and other things like Ryan Ellis's hit last night not resulting in any suspension. It's it's crazy to me. I it's they just look incompetent. I think the NHL is probably the most poorly run league in American professional sports, which is saying a lot because the NFL is really no better, and the and Major League Baseball has their own problems. But I mean, when you it, this this just goes with the mo of the NHL with player safety and head injuries and things like that. You know, the the, the right side of the body doesn't know what the left side wants to do. It's just. There's, it's almost like there's no communication. They just haven't, they just haven't figured it out yet, and it's painfully obvious every time one of these situations pops up. And it's not just player safety with the league; it's just marketing the league and promoting the players and everything like that. It's just every, the whole thing is just a complete. It's, it's just a dumpster fire. And if it wasn't for the sport itself being so popular, the league would be in a lot of trouble because they do nothing to help their cause whatsoever. So, I mean. Look, it's just, we got a game out of the way. Now we got two left where Farabee's going to be out. And when he comes back, maybe he'll have something to prove and he'll have a fire under his ass. And, you know, he could, he could turn it into a positive. But, you know, once again, just well, the NHL screwing over teams and players that don't deserve to be screwed over. Well, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's the same thing that I would say with Morgan Frost. Like, these young kids are going to hit a wall at some point. Yeah. I obviously don't want Farabee to be out of the line of suspension because all that means is that his next suspendable play likely contrary to what I was just surmising about, but if he has a really dirty hit, it'll result in a longer suspension next time because he'll be a repeat offender. But you know, he's, he's a young kid. He's, he's going to hit the wall at some point. So taking three games off honestly might not be the worst thing in the world. So, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, <sighs> Yeah, you just shake your head. You just shake your head at how the NHL comes comes down with these decisions. Definitely. Uh, you want to get into some questions here we have from? Uh, yeah, go ahead. We, we've got. I think due to the, uh, the later start and the fact that there's a Flyers game today, we didn't have as, no, as many questions as, as normal, which is fine. Um, do you uh, you have it pulled up, or you need me to pull it up? I have it right in front of me. Look at you. Yep. The host with the most. All pre- all prepared tonight. You know, I'm excited. Big win. Big win for the boys. Tired as hell, but I'm excited. Um, all right, so number one goes uh, 
question from Bobby Haxtell at Bobby's Analysis. He says we're about 40% of the way through the season. Short-term injuries aside, what is the biggest or the team's biggest weakness? Team's biggest weakness right now. I think that they need to get the power play going. And I'm not sure that that's their biggest weakness, but it, it should be much stronger than it is. And this is another thing. I'm so sick of JVR doing this, as G- as Jim Jackson called it tonight, his patented move in front of the net. And we've talked about this before. They've changed around the power play formations at times, including moving Giroux from his preferred side to his uh, to the other side, to just to be able to set up Van Riemsdyk for this play where he gets it next to the net and then he kind of like brings it out in front tries to beat the goalie they know the goalie knows it's coming every time this move hasn't worked since dinosaurs roamed the earth like it's it's preposterous and i i hope jvr is going to find a way to get going but i don't think it's going to be through that ridiculous move that everyone in the arena knows is coming when he gets the puck down low Mm -hmm. so like they they need to you know continue having jeru on the left side where he can bomb with one timers ghost has got to get going and they've got to get the power play going so, obviously, the injury creating a lack of depth in the forward position is probably the biggest concern right now. However, the the Flyers really need to get the power play going. Funny response. The Veil uh, at Ice Level Office uh, said the Department of Player Safety being the Flyers' biggest weakness right now. <laughs> um, yeah, when I, I read this question, and the first thing that popped in my mind was the power play. Um, another thing... That it's kind of we haven't really seen it pop up too often recently, but I know in November there was a lot of games in which the Flyers led and kind of blew the lead late and then had to win in overtime or a shootout. And obviously they won those games, but you're not gonna you, you don't want to build you know a reputation as being that team that's you know that gives up late leads because you're not eventually things are gonna catch up to you and you're gonna start to lose more of those games than you win. So they've righted that ship a little bit as of late, and I just don't. Want, I hope they don't fall back into those uh, into those bad habits as the season progresses forward. Uh, oh, all right. So Dan Bryce at Daddy Duck Five. He actually shows he, he all right. He fires two questions at us. I'll read the serious one first. Uh, might be difficult for you to answer, but how does a team build confidence and refocus after a slew of injuries? One of them, one season ending and a streak of losses. Seems like it could be a slippery slope. Well, I, like I talked about earlier, I think um, things like that, when you have a bunch of injuries like that and you have all the uh, all the turmoil that's kind of going on around the team right now, to me, the easiest way, not the easiest way, but what's going to help you get out of that and, and build the confidence, a lot of it has to do with the coach who's in place. And we've talked about that already. They have a veteran coaching staff led by Elaine Vigneault, who, you know, has had successful teams in the past. So I think right now the Flyers really need to lean on the veteran, for the lack of a better term, veteran presence as far as the coaching staff goes, but also as far as, you know, the players go. Guys like Giroux, Couturier, Hayes, you know, Voracek, guys that have been here a long time. They have to, you know, we have to, the team has to lean on them, the, the team has to lean on the coaching staff to kind of pull them through what they're going through right now. 
Yeah, you know, we talked about it. It's humans are very resilient, you know, and I, I think that once you get past the emotion of all of this, I really do think that this team is going to be able to go back out and play the kind of hockey that they can play. And then ultimately they're going to be at a disadvantage because they're going to be without one of their best players in Oscar Lindblom. But I think that they'll eventually get to the point where it's not impacting them on the ice, which is how it should be. Because if you go out and you're too emotional, that can negatively impact you. If you go out and, you know, so, so I, I think that, I think that they're humans, they're professional athletes. They'll, they'll deal with it. Um, you know, I, I think that, I think overall it's definitely a negative. Again, people saying, you know, oh, they're going to go out there and they're going to win it for Oscar. I just, I don't think that's, that's really the way that it works. I think that the concern would be that both you're missing him on the ice and then from a, an emotional standpoint, it's a difficult thing to go through for those guys. But I think that over the next few weeks, I think that it will kind of normalize the situation and, you know, and then, and then he can, at times he will be able to provide a spark. I'm sure this team makes the playoffs. Uh, you know, if his, hopefully his, his treatments will be going well and that, that can provide an, an emotional spark at times, but mm-hmm. the bottom line really is that it's just, they're just going to have to deal with the reality that he's not going to be playing for them, and he's a very good hockey player. Yeah, the wounds are still fresh, and eventually, well, it's like they say, time heals all wounds. As as the season progresses, as they get more used to playing without him and him not being around every day, they will adapt to that situation, and they will, you know, they'll be able to. Be the team that we saw them be a few uh, few weeks ago before all this. Dan Bryce also asks a question. Um, he says, you have to trade Giroux for a reasonable haul slash salary room and pick a new captain as well. Let's hear it. Well, I think that's the most impossible question ever. To move him for a reasonable haul and, cr- and salary room. Dan, I don't think there's a general manager alive that could do that. <laughs> well, Giroux has a, a, a no... Movement also, clause. he has so a no trade clause. Yeah, no, he's they're, they're not going to be trading Claude Giroux. He's uh, he's the heart, heart and soul of this team. He's the captain. It's just a, it's just not going to happen. So yeah, no. Um, Tom Sloan at uh, Majorly underscore Tom. A fun question here for the holidays. Uh, he saw a great thread. How multi-talented Gritty is acting, comedy, athleticism, etc. Uh, and who might be inside? One person thought it was multiple people. Best idea was at, was that it's Justin Timberlake. So he asked, who do you think would make the best, uh, the best guess for Gritty? Is it, uh, Scott Hartnell? Justin Timberlake? So basically, who do we think is inside the, uh, the big fuzzy costume that is Gritty? Wow. Scott Hartnell's actually a pretty good, pretty good guess. I would go with, Ilya Brizgalov. <laughs> I think that Briz kind of, you know, he's scared of bears. I, I think it. that maybe being inside the gritty outfit gives him the confidence to know that even if he's attacked by a bear, that he can fight back. That's a- great. And he's got the great sense of humor and he's very entertaining. So I think it's Ilya Brizgalov. Briz was the gift to Flyers fans that was not appreciated nearly as much as it should have been. And I wish he stuck around longer just for the off-the-ice antics. Chris um, was a great, great man. My, my thing is this. I always thought Gritty was just, I mean, 
is he not just real? There's nobody. Uh, you I don't know think what? There's anybody we're, inside him at all. We're coming up to Christmas, and some people will debate whether Santa Claus is real or not. Real or not? I I think that Santa is a real person. I've got a trip coming up to the North North Pole next year. I'm gonna, you know, seek him out and spend some time with him and his elves and Mrs. Santa. And I don't see why Gritty can't be a real per real. Uh, I don't even know person. What being. is um, being? I think Gritty can be a real real being too didn't the flyers say that they discovered gritty last year when they were doing the construction yeah so i think he's just been living at the wells fargo center for a long time i don't think there's a person inside of him yeah he's just i mean he is he is what he is he is just he is the almighty gritty he is his own entity there's nobody inside him he is he is created by Lanny McDonald's mustache clippings every time he came to the Spectrum. How about that? That's a good one. <laughs> and maybe combine that with Scott Hartnell's hair clippings. Of course. Yep. There you go. And maybe some of Yarmory Yager's locks. Nice. There you go. We, we yeah. solved it. Um, we solved it. <laughs> all right. Final one. Liminal Justice asks, does saying anything negative about the Flyers on the internet as a Flyers fan, in fact, bring down the miseries of job? I don't of job on the team asking for a downer friend. So I think what he's asking here, maybe if I mean, from what I'm gathering is he's asking that if being negative on the Internet brings down the team or other fans is that makes any. I mean, I guess that's what he's asking. I'm going to go look at his question because he's a wordsmith. I mean, he's he's he he doesn't waste a single word when he's sending these these questions in. Let me well, see. It looks like he fell victim to uh, autocorrect when he was talking oh. this out. Oh, okay. If it's saying anything negative about the Flyers on the internet as a Flyers fan, in fact, bring down the miseries of, no, Job. Like, you know, Job, the biblical character. Who? Job. You're not a, a, you know, you know who Job is? No idea. Wow. Oh, he's not going to like that. Uh, <laughs> well, wait, who, who is it? Job, Job is a central figure um, of, in the Book of Job. There's a book called the Book of Job in the Bible. Oh, my he's, not I'm just now like I'm reading off of of Wikipedia. He's presented as a good and prosperous family man who was beset by Satan with God's permission, with horrendous disasters that take away all that he holds dear. So basically, he, he all that he loves and cares about is is taken away, and that so that's what. Our, our buddy Liminal Justice is saying is is does when when fans say things negative about the Flyers does it actually bring down all these miseries on the team? And I think that uh, I think the answer to that one is is no. However, you know I think that and we've talked about this before. December is always the month before Christmas where the the building is not as full as usual. And of course the reporters were sending out more photos from tonight as they love to do when it's an empty building. But I, you know, you'd like to see the building get a little more full and we're going to do our part. Mark and I are going to be at the game Monday night against the Rangers and looking forward to seeing any fellow Flyers fans there. So, you know, send uh, DM, DM me or Mark and we can set up a, you know, we can meet you for a drink before the game. But uh, but yeah, I'd like to see the building be a little more full. That could you, give the, the team a little more jolt of energy. Would you believe that this is going to be my first Flyers-Rangers game in my existence? No, get out of here. Yeah, first one. See, really? Well, uh, my, my issue is, 
I've all like as far as my friend group is concerned, I, concerned, I've always been like the Flyers guy. No one else ever wanted to go to games with me. So I've always wanted to do Flyers Rangers, and this is going to be great to finally do it with such a a kind-hearted soul such as yourself in this uh. season of giving. Um, I'm, I hope my mom doesn't listen to this because she's not going to like that I did not know that much about the Bible because I went to Catholic school for a long time. Yeah, that's embarrassing, honestly, that you don't know the book of Job. I also hope your mom wasn't listening to the show because of your comments about that being Eskimo Brothers with Carson Torensky. So yep. I, yeah, she doesn't. Yeah, she, yeah. Yeah, no, she doesn't. I didn't, I didn't hear anything about it, so... She there definitely you. did not hear it. Um, so that's it for the questions. Um, good as always. Short and brief, which I like because, you know. That's late. It is late. It's too late, really. Um, so yeah, we're going we're gonna to cut this off because I believe, if I'm trying to look at the schedule here, this may be our last episode just given with all the hecticness and craziness that's going to go on next week with the holiday. Yeah. Yeah, usually we record on Wednesdays, and that is Christmas next week. So um, it is. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Happy Hanukkah. I know Hanukkah is. And maybe we'll sneak up. in a show a different night or something. We'll see, or the week after, or you know, either way, we'll, we'll you know, folks know where to find us, right? Yeah, of course they do. They they can find us in uh, at the Flyers game on. That's right. Third. That's there true. All right, Dan, go ahead and uh, do your shameless plug so everybody can find you and get a chance to win some tickets on Thursday night. That's right. Yeah, we're going to do that contest again Thursday night. So uh, folks can send me a uh, message or respond to my tweets and call me a moron, whatever they want, uh, on Twitter at dsilver88. That 88 is for Eric Lindros, the big E. And you can uh, check out some prospect articles, especially since a lot of these guys are now on the flyers uh, over at phileasflyer.com. Yep, you can find out how right Dan was about every one of them and how he's going to his own Not all the time. And how he'll win his own contest again. Well, I thought that was tremendous that you put that out there and that was the only one to guess it correctly. That was the best. That was that was true Dan fashion, just the all-seeing and all-knowing. But if you want to follow me on Twitter, DM me to find out where we'll be Monday night at for the Flyers-Rangers game. You can follow me at underscore – or no, that's the show, at underscore getting bullied. You can follow me at Mark Flagman. With two ends. If we do not speak to you between now and next week with all the holiday craziness that is going on, everybody enjoy your holiday, whichever you, whichever one you celebrate, enjoy your holiday, enjoy your time together with your family and your friends, and cherish it ever so closely. Until we speak to you again, everybody enjoy your life, and let's go Flyers. <laughs>